Pod Only Knows is a Cage Club podcast. For other smart podcasts on culture, pop, and otherwise, go to cageclub.me. You can contact us via email at pok at cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at ProbablyRealJB. And you can find me at Kelly underscore J underscore Baker. And you can find the show on Twitter at PodOnlyKnowsPod. The show is written and produced by us. Welcome to Pod Only Knows. I'm John Brooks. And I'm Kelly Baker. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing good-ish. Good-ish. It's summer, man. It's good-ish hot here in Florida. Yep. Yeah. You know, we're trying to stay cool as best we can mm-hmm. um, in this heat. And um, yeah, so that's only middling success, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, the New England weather continues to be like even more New England than normal. Um, it is like five seasons a day here right now. And uh, currently, as I'm talking, it is lovely. It's like 78 degrees and sunny. But oh, that's uh, nice. Could be 45 degrees and raining in an hour. Who the hell knows? Uh, Who knows? Yeah. No, it's just hot and wild. humid here. So you walk outside and you're just like oppressed by the heat and like yeah. the sweat that instantly happens. So yep. yeah, it's... It's a great time. And That's what they say. About it's the time Florida. of year where between that and the mosquitoes, I'm like, why do we live here again? Yeah. Oh, I'm like, because it's not for the politics, right? That's no. not why we live here. No. So, yeah. Um, it's for Disney World. It's sure. <laughs> <laughs> I I constantly wonder why you live there. and I'm, I know. You know. You're not the only one. Like, I yeah. routinely receive texts where people are like, you know, I live in a nice place. Don't you want to come live near me? Right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you have snow. So it's, yeah. you know, that makes it a harder sell than it would be otherwise. Where so. there is snow, there are people who um, have compassion for other human beings. So, yeah, that seems to be the case. It does. Because um, snow makes you uh, understand suffering <laughs> <laughs> in a new way. Yeah, that's uh, what it is. And then some people ski for whatever weird reason. Oh, so, man. Anyways, no. Just yeah. no. Uh, what's your good news today? Uh, so my good news is I got to go volunteer at my youngest kid's 4-H camp yesterday and help with the local shelter brought in four puppies oh, for nice. dog days of summer. So we got to bathe. Wait, it's June. <laughs> it's June. Listen, it's dog already days the of dog- summer, like the third week of August. <laughs> okay, so it's Florida. We sped it up. Okay, uh-huh. so, um, but we got to hang out with puppies and hang out with kids that were five to like twelve ish. And um, they got to groom the dogs and walk them and then attempt to bathe them, which was the cutest thing in the world, but also the most difficult thing because the dogs were having no part of it, right? Like they did not want to be bathed by all of these youngsters. And um, so we get to meet these (laughs) awesome dogs, (laughs) Um, one of which, um, which was hilarious. My teen actually volunteered to help too. Um, One of which refused absolutely to even get anywhere near the kiddie pool. (laughs) that was supposed to be the bathing station that was just like no i protest you cannot mm. force me to do this in any way shape or form mm-hmm. but it was really cute um it was great uh advertisement for the local shelter local no kill shelter to show people that what they're doing with pets there and um the importance of spaying and neutering your pets but also just to get the good news out about the great work that our local shelter does and to encourage the kids to think about volunteering opportunities as they get a little bit older and can be dog walkers and this sort of thing. But um, I only got sprayed with the hose a few times, okay. which I thought was a major victory. Yep. One of them was by one of my children, yep, unsurprisingly. Sure. Right. Um, but it was overall like a really good time. It was just so wholesome and fun. <laughs> right. Like it's just sort of sweet. Um, yeah. And like, how can you go wrong with puppies? Like you just, you really can't. Right. Well, um, don't say that too loud. Cause I'm sure DeSantis can find a way. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. Like we have to keep it on. What did you say about quiet. grooming, Kelly? You said something about grooming? 
Yeah, they had grooming? to like they had to yeah, no, not that kind of grooming. It was very much, <laughs> very much like trying to brush these like exuberant puppies who also wanted no part of brushing either. Um and no All I heard was grooming and it's outlawed I, in Florida now. That's right. So, yeah. Sorry. I'm no sorry. joy for you. No no yeah. joy. No joy or fun. Um but yeah, no, it was it was also hilarious to watch the kids try to coax the animals into playing with the toys, and then the kids end up playing with all the dog toys instead, right? Because the dogs wanted no part of it either. Yes. So yeah, it was just it was really funny. And then of course they did a Q and A where the kids could ask about dogs, and you of course could guess like how quickly that like goes wrong, right? It yeah. just it takes no time for that to be like we had a dog and it died right like yeah. like instantly is like the way that it turns out <laughs> <laughs> or we don't have a dog do you think you can convince our parents to get a dog and i'm like yeah. i'm like no friend i'm not getting involved in this conversation yeah, at all. no <laughs> Or my favorite was the kid that raised his hand like first kid raised his hand and was like why do we have dogs? I'm a cat person. And I was like, this is our hero, like yeah. hero of the day right here, who yeah. is just like, why are we dealing with dogs when we could be dealing with cats? <laughs> <laughs> Let's try bathing a bunch of cats. See how could that Could you goes. imagine? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was very funny. The kids that were like, why don't we have cats instead? And I'm like, have you met cats? Like, yeah. I live in a house with four cats. I'm like, you know can you imagine what, what would happen if you attempted <laughs> To have these like 30 kids interact with cats, like, no, <laughs> it would go badly for everyone involved. For sure. So that is my good news. So that was just a sort of delightful thing to be able to do. And it was so much fun. And, um, you know, and my youngest kid thought it was so cool that like mom got to come to summer camp, right? Like that it was a really neat thing. So, yeah. um, you know. It's very celebrity status to have your mom uh -huh. like hang. He's young enough that like it was celebrity so cool. status yeah, that yeah, it was yeah. cool, right? Yeah. Like any day now, that's not going to be the case. No, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's it goes by and it, yeah, it goes by like snaps whoosh, away. Yeah, yeah it's going to be gone. But uh -huh. but it was very fun. <laughs> so yeah, um, and that's you know we don't have dogs at my house, so it was fun to play sure. with dogs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we have cats who ignore us and <laughs> demand things from us. <laughs> Oh, so what is your good news, John? Oh, well, it's got to be that today's July the 4th, and that means that at some point today, I'm going to hear my favorite song, Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know how many, uh, like, how many, like, pageants that I was part of as a yes, kid growing I, up in yes. rural Florida yes, where we had to sing that? Oh. And I'm sure the number that I guess is too, is too low. It so, is too low. Yeah. You will, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I can hear it in my head now. It's going to happen all day. I'm waiting for the uh, the white Christian dude backlash against that song, which says, I'm proud to be an American. And as I've learned incessantly over the last month, pride is a sin and demonic, and that's why Pride Month is bad. So yeah, yeah. obviously that song is going to be, uh, you know. Any moment now. They're going to turn their back on that one because, woo, that's... Uh, well, if they can turn their back on Chick-fil-A... Oh my god! Right? I don't think that are they are they still? I think they're probably. I don't back. know. I think they probably have to they move backwards on that way, right? Like yeah. they can't stay mad at Chick Fil A forever. Like there's plenty of shitty beer that you can get instead of Bud Light that you can like make that one. You can you can like stick, stick to that one if you really yeah. care enough. But like Chick Fil A, I mean, I've never been to Chick Fil A and I'll never go to Chick Fil A. But like I know right. that. It is itself a um, a religion of sorts, but yeah. um, no, my actual good news. <laughs> <laughs> it will be good news if I'm able to avoid Lee Greenwood's "God Bless the USA" for 24 full hours. Uh, we'll, we'll to to TBD. Uh, but my actual good news is um, season two of The Bear. <gasps> you stole my one for the next oh, time. It's okay no. though. It's so good. Oh my god, that show. So I watched season one by myself last summer while like Courtney was out, you know, doing work, travel, that sort of thing. Um, and while I was avoiding writing my thesis. So um uh, yeah, and I really loved it. And then so season two came out recently and uh I wanted to watch season two, but I also like really wanted to make sure Courtney 
watched it with me and so we rewatched all of season one which is like still as amazing the first so good. or the second time around as it is the first time uh we are halfway through season two now and i'm and i'm i'm like courtney's like so let's let's you know let's squeeze another one in. i'm like can we I, 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 let's like let's drag it out for like a week like i want to <laughs> yeah don't... like at least enjoy it right yeah, like just yeah. kind like, of i don't want to the <laughs> <laughs> there's something about the pacing of that show that makes it like that where chris and i sit down and watch it and we're not quite as far along as you are yeah but we're just like like two episodes end and don't even realize it because we're just like we have to move on to the next one like you have to like know what happens next like yeah. you just have to do it and yeah the pacing of the show just lends itself to that I and feel it's 30 like. minutes so yeah. it's one of those shows where you're like <laughs> if it were an hour like watching two hours of the bear is always easier if because it's 30 minutes than if it was an hour and you watch two episodes even though it's the same time commitment because there's mm -hmm. something about like you're able to be like, okay, one more when they're 30 minutes long, but then you do it like six yeah. times in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. And suddenly that one more turns into um, into many hours. But no, I, uh, I want to, I, I know that the sixth episode is the one everybody talks about and I, we're on that one. So I'm like, let's, let's slow down now. Cause I want to like, make sure that um, we give the rest of it what it's due, but man, I just like, I know it's, everybody's talking about how great that show is, but it's one of those cases where it's like, it really isn't, it's not annoying. <laughs> like it deserves no, it. It's really it good. It deserves all the accolades that it gets. I mean, yeah, it's so good. It's I so We watched good. it late because we watch everything late. Um, yeah. But we watched it because we'd heard so many people recommended it and recommended it and recommended it. And then yeah. like, we like flew through season one just incredibly fast and we didn't watch it until this year and then we were like when is season two yeah. <laughs> right so we yeah. didn't have to wait quite as long as everyone yeah. else because we were so late to it yeah um but yeah i know we just it's one of those things where we just want to like kind of savor it we're trying really hard to but also we just we can't help ourselves either and you really can't hype it up too much like it really is such it's so good that you literally can't do that thing where someone's like oh i was so built up for me that it was a little disappointing when I, like no one's ever gonna say that because like no. it is that fucking good like it's, it is really that it's, good it, it's it ridiculous really that good uh, no. to say so I'm i was almost like attached i was almost a little when i found out they were doing season two like i was i'm and it's amazing and i'm glad they didn't hope they just keep going forever now but um I was a little disappointed because the first season is just so perfect and it's just mm -hmm. a, such a great story beginning to end. I almost didn't want to know what happened after. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's inevitable. I'm like, I'm not complaining, but there was a little bit of me that was like, why would you mess with this like perfect story that ends on this like absolutely beautiful note right. at the end? And I, I cried again, uh, having watched the finale of season one again. Um but yeah, I mean that's just the nature of the beast, I guess. But like, um, I, I yeah, like I'm not at all complaining. I'm glad there's a season two. It's a weird, it's a weird yep. space to be in <laughs> to be like. I'm glad there is, but also disappointed that there is. But like, yeah. I'm over it now because it's. Uh, I never want to be apart from these characters and this. No, they're this, so good. There's, I'm so um, attached. I'm so attached. Yeah. Right. And yes, invested. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, and it's one of those two where I've had folks warn me, like everyone has warned me about episode six. And so I'm not right. quite there yet. Right. But everyone has been like, Kelly, prepare yourself. And I'm just mm. like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll prepare myself. I don't know I what six is about. I don't know yep. like, why it's so great. Um, yeah. So. Um, so you'll have to one. we'll have to find out right i'll we'll watch it tonight out and see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you are ahead of me as always i feel like man <sighs> the bakers are perpetually behind on tv like mm -hmm. it's just parenting god <laughs> just gives the way my tv watching like how dare they <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the kids are right now like at their grandparents house which is why courtney's like we must get them all in <laughs> that's like, right okay. we must watch all the shows we're gonna find half hour chunks where they're not around over the summer it's okay they're going to camp next week like it's it's all good you'll she's do like, it you'll do it she's like we have other things to watch we haven't watched mrs Maisel yet like, it's okay we got time, we got time. <laughs> cram all the tv in yeah. as soon as you can yeah, yeah. no that's yeah. super funny <laughs> anyways um 
so last time we talked a little bit about holidays. We were talking about your love of Halloween. I know. Um, it's another yeah, holiday and, today. And now we're going to talk about another holiday. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite. It's not your favorite. I was going to ask you, favorite. like, how do you, yeah. how do you, how do you feel about 4th of July? Like, do you, you know, I'm like, uh, conflicted. Yeah. I guess is probably the best way to put it. You know, like for us, it tends to be like a family togetherness holiday where, yeah. you know, you like, cook out or people get in the pool or whatever um but it you know and i fireworks yeah um because i live in a neighborhood where people are like feel like fourth of july and the time leading up to it is fair game to shoot off fireworks at all hours of the night which is just delightful for everyone (laughs) um it was like it was like thanks to everyone who you know suffers from these and these are triggers like this is great like yeah. we're so glad that you do this and dog um, havers yeah i mean and, uh, just yeah. wonderful right um anyone with ptsd right who has been in a war zone i'm sure this is like not the holiday for them in any way shape or form um and so i'm just i'm really conflicted about it because of the way that people frame it as America's birthday and the way they sanitize it. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, you know, I'm not here for the hot dogs cause I don't really like hot dogs. Okay. So um, I'm here for pool time anytime. So yep. that's great, Legally but enough. I'm just not kind of cool with the representation of it, I guess. Right. And the sort of American pride, writ large but without any like historical context or any like critical thinking about how we should handle this holiday or how we should mm. think it through um mm-hmm. so just how ahistorical it is i think is really bothersome right where it's like old navy is like everybody like put on red white and blue yeah you know yeah um, yeah though yeah. i do have a really awesome shirt um that has george washington on it uh-huh. that says if you're not first you're last um which wow. gets in like a talladega nights reference along with george washington yeah. so i feel sort of bad when i wear it but also like the kitschiness of it is kind of yeah glorious sure. so yeah but that's the only red white and blue thing that i own and i only wear it not on july 4th because mm-hmm. it's hysterical um but yeah how about you like how do you feel about july 4th are you i I can't imagine you're all in well it's so weird because like i I, having grown up in new england right and like the freedom trail and boston july 4th it is such a like it's a very different kind of cultural holiday here Mm -hmm. um and i i guess like for you know the boston pops and the esplanade and like you know all that stuff um so yeah i mean i certainly like grew up sort of loving july 4th as like a celebration of like summer and fireworks and everything else and uh i think from a pretty early age i had a lot of issues with the idea of like patriotism and sort of um celebrating things without criticizing them mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. started to cre- probably around the time i was in like fifth or sixth grade that started to creep in and that sense of like jingoism and uh, you know as as the as the more sort of fascist side of patriotism began to become clear to me uh from a young age um yeah i don't know i mean i i I try to like still embrace the sort of cultural togetherness i guess like try to go to a baseball game or something and do the fireworks but like minimize the amount of like hooray america and everything that's yeah. done yeah element of it i certainly there've been years like during the trump administration where i've just been like i just don't even want to go like i don't want to do anything <laughs> right yeah no for real like, i do not feel good about this country at all and like the idea of kind of celebrating countries is weird to me just in general yeah. yes <laughs> yes it's a weird thing to do <laughs> um so yeah, I guess I guess kind of like you, I'm 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 conflicted. But I, I think like the question that I find really interesting that it brings up is is the if if this is a religious holiday and this whole idea of like American civil religion in mm-hmm. general and like what it is about, you know, because like 
England doesn't have one of these. It has Guy Fox Night, which is the closest, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Which is like fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> that's like a combination of like July Fourth and Halloween. Like everybody knows it's fucking weird. Like everybody yeah. knows it's like morbid and and fucked up. But that's like part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, England, of course, has never had to like declare its independence from anything. Right, right. So, and then there's like Bastille Day, which is also weird because like the French Revolution did not work out that well, you know. Uh-huh. Like, but it's a it's it's very much more July Fourth ish, and so yeah, it is a unique kind of a holiday, and the question of like the role religion plays in American civic life. I think becomes unavoidable if you are of a certain um, persuasion, i.e. people like us, uh, when we witness this sort of thing. But I don't know. What's your take on the religiosity of July the 4th? Yeah. What I'll start with is that there is a church in my town that for July 4th put up a sign, their church sign, that said um, America is a strong nation because America has strong churches. Okay. And I said, huh, (laughs) that's intriguing. So I drive by this quite a bit, right? Yeah. And um, I was like, that's an interesting July 4th message, right? Like that it very much ties religion into patriotism. And as someone that works on white Christian nationalism, right, Mm -hmm. I just – I'm always very intrigued when Christianity is so like obviously tied into patriotism when there's not kind of when it's not even subtle in any kind of way. Right. Where it's just very obvious and attached there. So that's not the civil religion piece that you're talking about, which I want to talk about, too. Mm -hmm. But it's very much the kind of like direct like Christian nationalism piece where Mm -hmm. it's like we're celebrating July 4th because we are a Christian nation. Right. So it's not just that we're celebrating America's birthday. Y'all can't see the scare quotes. Right. And so it's like explicitly. A religious holiday because Amer- it's because America is religious according to that line of thinking, right? That like, line of thinking, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, so every time I drive by it, I'm like, you know, in this sort of like way. Um, <laughs> or that puts the yeah. fear of God in them. Being like, oh, <laughs> we're making that yeah. lady angry. Yeah, no, they're making me <laughs> deeply angry because of the sort of <laughs> – a historical approach to this that just like oh, oh now you can I'm feel yelling my growling and they can't they don't care no. um but uh you know the this very kind of the story that they're telling right that America is founded as a Christian nation and they understand it this way so that July 4th is just wrapped into this in some kind of way right that yeah. it becomes a holiday you celebrate because you know, you want to pay attention to the birth of this Christian nation because it's essential to the stories that you're telling and where we are now, right, too, about this sort of exclusionary politic um, where we very much want to say that it's a Christian nation and then exclude people that don't fit into that narrative in some kind of way. Um, So, you know, so that sign, which might seem somewhat maybe to someone innocuous is really not right at all. Um, But I think there's also that larger question of American civil religion and what we practice that looks, you know, religious, right? So all the trappings that go with July 4th, right? Like it's America's birthday. We're all supposed to celebrate. So we have ritual, right? We have fireworks. We have to wear red, white, and blue, we have cookouts with our families for togetherness, right? Because um, what we're supposed to do on America's birthday is celebrate together, right? Um, that we have all of these things that look like ritual because they are ritual um, and that emphasize the patriotism piece, right? To bring us to that kind of idea. But it's a certain kind of citizenry still, right? And a certain kind of idea of the American nation that we're presenting to, right? Um, yeah. That, that it's not necessarily an inclusive America that folks are paying attention to based on the patriotic t-shirts that I see if I tend to go to fireworks in the South. You know, it's not like folks are like wearing shirts where they're like, you know, y'all means all, right? It's not like 
a pride t-shirt or something like this. It's very much, you know, America and guns and God and glory and this sort of thing. And by the Um, way, the Confederacy also. And by the way, the Confederate, right. If I'm not also seeing shirts that have the Confederate flag plus the American flag. Also fuck America. Here's this Confederate flag. That's right. Yeah. No, like, yes. And of course not. Of course they wouldn't read it this way. Right. Like we read it. Of course they wouldn't. Um, So that you can see, again, that exclusionary politic um, at work here so that it's talking about white Americans and this idea that's there. So that that patriotism is very limited in how they see it and how they understand it. So what about you? I mean, how do you see this American civil religion working here? So actually, like one of the things that what you said about like the way that in your part of Florida, the the. (laughs) The understanding of July Fourth is tied into religiosity. I started to think, like, why? Why, as someone who is of my kind of political and philosophical pedigree, like, why don't I have more of a problem with it? Um, <laughs> you know, and I came to realize that there's also sort of a geographic specificity to like the way that mm-hmm. wherever you are, sort of geographically within the American story, you are more likely to have a different sort of understanding of July 4th. And like, I think the reason that I, I still generally kind of where I live still have like a soft spot for July 4th, even though I'm like, again, very um, sort of iffy about it is, is that in Boston, the focus, I think, is less on kind of jingoistic America is the best hooray mm-hmm. and more on the revolutionary element of it mm-hmm. because Boston is is such a center of gravity of the American Revolution. And it's always been sort of a celebration of like unity and diversity and also like revolutionary spirit and not America's fucking awesome because Jesus right. invented it. Right. Um, and so I, I, I like, I never really thought about it that way before that there's kind of like different July 4ths, depending on kind of right. where you are in the country um, mm-hmm. based on, you know, sort of your, your geographic history and also sort of also the demographic uh, obviously. Right. Um so uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of that's just a revelation that I just kind of had just now. <laughs> I never really yeah. thought about before. Like I've always sort of thought about, well, it's like, oh, it's because I'm, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by more liberal leaning people <laughs> where I am, so I'm like okay with it. But um, no, it really is like we focus on the American Revolution, and like that's what the holiday is about. It's not about how fucking amazing America is and how it's never done anything wrong. Um, I do think it's like one thing that you also said. So I'm I'm also reminded of something. I took a a course on aesthetics when I was in college, Um, a course that began with like 25 people in the class and ended with like 11. Oh, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Aesthetics is one of those branches of philosophy that's like, you really, you really got to stick with it or you got to love it. but it's one of those ones where, like, I think a bunch of people are like, oh, I got to fulfill a philosophy requirement, so I'll take this class. And they're like, nope, pretty early on, right? <laughs> it's it's very frustrating. Anyway, I, uh, I did my final presentation for that class on American Kitsch. So, like, when you were talking about your George Washington show. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I found this really interesting. I so I spent a lot of time, like my senior year of college, thinking about um, American religion and separation of state, and and the whole like project of having a religious country without a an endorsed religious identity, and like what that means. And um, so I thought it would be interesting to kind of look into the way that people respond to um, various kind of like American sort of cultural celebrations and rituals and like what they associate those things with. So, so I, I was sort of interested in, in seeing whether or not July 4th actually meant more than fireworks and hot dogs to people mm-hmm. sort of in like, really? Like when you actually ask them, like, what do you think of when you think of July 4th? July 4th. And like, 
overwhelmingly like nobody said like the constitution like you know they were all like oh fireworks like oh july 4th right right um i can't remember how i actually like phrased it but i also did a thing about like mount rushmore where i was like what like what's cool about mount rushmore and like nothing's cool about mount rushmore obviously but like but in the way of of like what do you think of and they're like giant faces in mountain like it's not it's not like oh the pride I feel like I'm like sure. name all four presidents on it and like nobody could. Um, <laughs> they're like right. Lincoln and Washington and somebody else. Um, and so anyway, it was it, I was sort of investigating the way that we kind of think that we're celebrating something, and then like the reality uh-huh. behind right what what's actually being celebrated, and the 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 way that sort of ties into other stuff that I was, um, I was uh, looking at, at at the time and studying is, is that like, there is much in the same way that like religion has symbolism that has deeper meanings, but people don't tend to think about them as much. Like it becomes uh-huh. just something that is sort of um, for lack of a better term, like virtue signaling. Right. Okay. That that America is also full of that, which in my estimation sort of makes it like weirdly more religious as like okay. a right. Okay. The, you know what I mean? That that like we're so that these these symbols have become sort of like so ingrained that we don't mm-hmm. think about them. Sure. And, and part of the purpose of like religious symbolism is to like not think about what it means, right? right. Just that it's like the mm-hmm. cross just like nobody's like, hey, that thing you're wearing around your neck, what does it mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, no right. No one has ever said that. Um, and I and I think that in, in some weird way, the kind of emptiness and, like, kitschiness of it is actually a reflection of, like, how kind of deeply culturally entrenched it has become. Yes. That we don't think about it um, in a weird way. Right, and that we're not... Right, that we're not interrogating it in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. I always think about the way, the kind of approach to the flag, you know, that yeah. folks have, that that it's a patriotic symbol, that folks want to wave it at July 4th, that we have them in classrooms, right, that folks are very concerned with how we treat it, except when they're not. right. When you can you know, change it into black and white and stick a blue stripe through it, like, that's fine. That's fine, you know, <laughs> or you can make it into a bikini. That's right. also fine totally for some fine. reason. Um, other uses, not so much. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think about the way that, like, for instance, the 1920s Klan, which I studied, spent a lot of time thinking about the flag and making sure that it was a patriotic symbol, but also a religious symbol and just put mm. all this, like, effort into, like, really thinking about it. Um, whereas now, like you said, it's so culturally entrenched that the flag is somehow sacred, but we don't really think about why it's sacred, right? Or how it got to be that way or what it might signal to people or how it's implicated in white supremacy, right? These aren't the kind of questions that folks are asking in some sort of way when they're waving it at a July 4th parade, because this is just something that you do. Right. It changes. It changes its power when it becomes mm-hmm. July 4th parade. Right? Yes. Versus when it's like flying off the back of a pickup truck. Right. Alongside a Trump 2024. Which you don't even need. Flag. Like that person's a Republican. Like you right. don't need anything else. If someone's no. flying a flag on the back of the yeah. pickup truck, that person's you, a Republican. You don't, you don't need any additional <laughs> signifiers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but some folks are just really committed to having the additional flag. Mm-hmm. I speak from experience because of where I live, right? Mm-hmm. Or they also need the don't tread on me sticker to go, like, just, you know, like, just go all out, right? To let us yeah. know their political affiliation. And I'm like, we got you, bro. Like, I love need... America and the government. Just make sure it doesn't do anything ever. Just, that's right. <laughs> don't do anything <laughs> ever, ever. And, you know, like, as I'm, like, idling behind them, I'm like, I understand your politics. Like, you didn't have to go this far, right? Yes. Um, and but I think that your point is really interesting about how entrenched this stuff gets and how we no longer feel the need to kind of do that analysis. So when I was teaching and talking about these symbols, 
particularly in regards to the clan, right? I would tell students, I was like, why is the clan putting so much effort into like redescribing these to fit their methods? Like, why do they need to do this? You know, what is at stake for them? And what's at stake for them is they were trying to build this kind of white nationalist narrative that really worked for their organization because they knew that people had ideas about what the flag was or what the cross was or these sorts of things. So they had to refashion it to really fit with their own model. Now, their model was not too far off, (laughs) the culturally entrenched model, but they still had to do all this kind of work. Because when we see the cross, like you said, it's not like we're like, oh, I noticed that you're wearing this. (laughs) What's up with that, right? That's not the kind of question. I noticed you have the flag in the back of your truck. What's going on? No, we know, you know because we are implicated in the system yeah. um, that we can read those cues in some sort of way. I, I wonder, did, did you at any point in your studies, I, I, I met, like I know a lot of people did, I took a sociology of religion course around the same time as that aesthetics course. Um, and I read Robert Bella's um, Civil Religion in America uh which was like the first major published piece to to talk about this issue have you have you read that at some point you know i'm gonna admit how bad i am at this that i did not actually read that book (laughs) like i have skimmed that book and i've read like excerpts from it but i haven't like embraced it as a whole i had a friend who was like a civil religion nerd and i kind of hoped that i was gonna learn by osmosis thank you art remillard but like i did not learn entirely (laughs) (laughs) as much as i was supposed to yeah um yeah yeah well i think that like i mean it's I, i don't think you have to right i think you can get the same i mean a lot of people have written about that since um but you know the it made me think because the reason that was sort of like an interesting idea to me, especially in my early 20s um, when I was an undergrad and reading that is that, you know, I, I come from an English family. Um, mm-hmm. I come from a country that has a state church uh-huh. and makes that state less religious as a result. Mm-hmm. And you know the 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 sort of thesis that Bella presents that um, has since been you know a, a staple I'm I'm sure of like a lot of the work that you've done as well um, and a staple of kind of the study of American um, religion is that because America tried this experiment of not having a central religion and because people need symbols and need identity and need sort of cultural cohesion that that meant that religion was still very much there but on top of it in addition to it sort of the um the state and the story and the myth of the founding itself became a kind of a cultural religion and like so I think about that in contrast to the way that Britain is much less religious than America is. And there's a lot of reasons why. And I'm not saying the reason why is because it has a state church. Mm-hmm. But like the idea that religion is somehow just like automatically protected by the state, I think makes people like a lot less paranoid about re- and, and like allows them to be atheists because they're like, oh, whatever, religion's going to be fine. <laughs> like, it's, <you> know, <laughs> like it's literally protected by, right, by right. the state. It's yeah. also like it's one of those things where like and I'm not by any means a monarchist, like do not get me wrong. I'm not defending monarchy here. But one of the things that is also, you know, I think an observable phenomenon in England, which is like, why has even when it's flirted with fascism, like England never gone the way of full on fascism. And like one of the reasons is that it has something that will always be its like cultural symbolic person. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of someone like Trump coming in, like one of the things that someone like Trump does is like sells the idea that he is the symbol. Right. You can't do that when you just have a random person who is born into it forever. Right. Right. Like, and so you kind of take that off the table, um, which has a kind of an advantage. And, And again, like, I don't think that people should be inherently deemed 
right? Like right. worthy by God with special status. But like that is one of the consequences that you just sure. don't allow, you know, like Boris Johnson tried, but like didn't get very far. Right. right? Margaret Thatcher kind of tried, but like didn't get very far. And you can't really have that same kind of cult of personality that you can have in America um, um, for that reason. So I don't know, like, in what ways, like, do you think it is a fair assessment, broadly speaking, that, you know, in some ways that we wouldn't talk about, like, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington in quite such messianic terms if, through some, like, alternate reality, uh, we decided that, like, we're going to be a Methodist country and, like, do whatever the fuck you want. But, <laughs> right, you know, right. Yeah. That's going to be our church. Like, what do, right. you, what do you think about that argument? No, I think it's a really interesting one. And I think it's interesting because it says something about the need, that Americans need to have narratives fit in with Christianity, that mm-hmm. that desire to have political figures somehow fit into that religious narrative so that the founding fathers can be something more than just political figures, that they can be religious figures too, right? That Abraham Lincoln can have those messianic tendencies um, so that, you know, the, the Klan even plays with this. And it's kind of interesting to me that Abraham Lincoln would be a figure that they are drawn to, yeah. but that that even they were like, yes, Abraham Lincoln, we have to pay attention to him. Right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, in the long line of figures that we have to pay attention to, like there's Jesus, there's Martin Luther. And then there are these political figures in America that we have to also kind of uplift beyond the human. Right. And have these other kinds of religious tendencies and them that we pay attention to. Um, So I think there's something to be said about that, the, the desire to like fit them into these religious stories Mm -hmm. and to fill that vacuum in some kind of way that's different from if you had something that was state sponsored that already like fulfilled that narrative or made it more static or constant so that you didn't have the competing stories. You didn't have the competition over the religious marketplace about how we're going to understand these things Um, or even the competition over religious symbols about how we're going to interpret stuff and how we're going to figure out American life um, and religion's place in it. So I, I think it's really compelling to think about it that way, to say, like, what would have happened if there had been something established and said, right? Yeah. Would we look more like England um, in that kind of way? Um, but instead, in the wild world <laughs> was America, you have this this different, like, myth-making um, yeah. So the founders become somewhat untouchable, right? Or you can have people that are originalist because the founders, you know, are understood in this way as somewhat sacred and the stuff that they did is somehow more important than all this other legal history <laughs> that we have that's kind of settled other things or paid yeah. attention to other things. Um, and so that those those statuses become important and also deeply ahistorical <laughs> and sure. not contextualized, right, yeah. Yeah. too, um, because they become part of that sacred story. And that means that we approach them in a different way than a historian would approach them um, or pay attention to them uh, because it's part of that sacred history of America instead. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're onto something there that's really important that we should kind of pay attention to you, that there's something happening with Americans when they interpret this way. And I think Trump is an important example too mm-hmm. about how he was really good at the myth making piece. Right. And very good at the like conjuring a different, history of America as we can make America great again, right? Like that there was some previous nostalgic history that we could look back to. Right. You know, right. Right. And rooted in, rooted in a, uh, uh, ambiguous, like a, you decide what that means. Right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. The, right. Yes. Um, it's not like make America like the 1950s. You remember from leave it to beaver. That's the implication, but it's completely right. up to you to like, fill in those blanks and that's what yes. makes it brilliant right as yeah a, no it is marketing strategy yeah um, 
but th that's part of it too, that he was able to maneuver in that way um, and also signal to Christians too, right? In these ways that were not quite direct either mm -hmm. so that there was that malleability in place too. Yeah. And you can also, I mean, in, in that case, you don't have to say because a black man is president right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And that's great. You can just not say it. And then people can be like, yeah, that's what it means. So I'm going to go ahead and, yep. and do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, I think it's an open question as to, Sort of, you know, I, I, I counterfactuals are always interesting to sort of um, think about, but never necessarily instructive of like, well, what if, you know, we had had a state religion? Would that have changed where we are today? Would people like the, you know, the founders who are never mentioned by name because they all disagree <laughs> with each other? Yes, right. Which I think is also really interesting because the idea of the founders is itself a sort of like quasi-religious idea because if yeah. you get too specific, then you talk about all the different disagreements that like Hamilton and Jefferson and, you know, yeah. Adams and, and you know, Payne had, right? And like they are not going to get along with each other. Or, But right. if you say the founders as this thing that's like the aftermath of all of that infighting and this beautiful yep. thing that they sort of agreed upon, like then, then it becomes unquestionable and kind of, right. And kind of religious, but like, you know, is there something sort of just intrinsically about this country and it's, and it's sort of history that even if we had decided to give religion a sort of, you know, state sanctioned protective status, in the sense of creating a state church that that would have changed the way that things ended up happening and the way in which Americans are religious and the way in which the state and, and the history and, and the, the mythos becomes religious. Or is that just sort of baked into the cake? Because I also like, I think about if I'm going back to Britain, um, while it is true that you, you, you know, you can see where the differences are, it's also a very different history. It's much like deeper, right? Mm -hmm. History, um, you know, America as it exists, like doesn't have a medieval history unless you connect it to Europe, which you probably should, but like, that's beside the point. Right. Um, we, we, we recently for our next episode, um, when we were talking to Shrina and, and, you know, y'all hear that in a couple of weeks, um, she brought up Winston Churchill and, and, and I think that that's an interesting one because Winston Churchill is so kind of sacralized and lionized in history. And Winston Churchill like did a lot to prevent the world from becoming Nazis, but like also committed genocide. Right. And I don't think too many Britons um, uh, struggle with that. And they're just like cool with the Churchill statues in general. Um, certainly. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's leftist anti-state Britons who are like, will challenge it for sure. In the same way that people do in America, like people like us, but like, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like that same thing seems to have kind of happened. And then you can mm -hmm. also, I think, tie that to, to, to Brexit and, um, and that same phenomenon kind of emerging anyway. Um, and, and with the kind of focus on the royal family that's happened with the death of the queen and, and the coronation and all that sort of thing. Like I do see the same basic things kind of beginning to now happen there. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't, you know, again, I don't think it's conclusive sure. that like we would have, we wouldn't have as much of a strong kind of civil religion were it not for the experiment of like being an a religious, religious country. Right. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay though. <laughs> no, it's fun to think about. Like yeah. it's a fun, it's a fun approach to, to think about like how, how different it, it could have been um, in this as opposed to like where we landed, yeah. <laughs> what we inherited and where we are now because yeah. of some of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, as as 
getting back to the Fourth of July, do you think there's like a way that, it, like, I mean, I know it's especially hard to kind of where you are. Is there like a guilt-free way of doing Fourth of July? <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know either. Um, I just it's it's weird for me because of where I am, right? I mean, I feel like there's a way in which because I'm in rural Florida that the white Christian nationalism piece of it is just so apparent and so in your face. Um, that I I just, it's kind of hard to get away from and, um, maybe they're doing it (laughs) guilt-free because of their interpretation of it. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't know that there's a way to do it. Um, and a, a way that I would be comfortable doing it that wasn't guilt free. Um, what about you? I mean, do you think that there's a way forward that's not that way? I think whatever's in your heart. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, but like, again, you know, I say that facetiously, but I'm also semi-serious about it. Like I, I, you know, I'm never going to be, patriotic i think patriotism is gross you know go ahead and email me and tell me why i'm wrong that's fine i've had the, arg- the argument before i get it um i, I don't see an, a, a significant difference between patriotism and nationalism the way that it especially plays out in america mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And, I, and i am definitely anti-nationalism like i will i will certainly have that argument with you but at the same time like i do believe in the basic idea of like you know um enlightenment liberal philosophy and 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 sure. and the spirit of like revolution and uh overthrowing oppressors and like i think that you can celebrate that basic idea as long as you celebrate it not as a thing that's happened but as to you know invoke a kind of religious term here ongoing revelation um that we're not done yet and and that we have to we have to keep we can have a hot dog you know and some fireworks and then like keep going on the revolution. Cause we keep being taken backwards and like, we're in mm-hmm. a very sort of dark space right now. And like mm-hmm. the, those enlightenment ideals of like, by the way, deism, um, <laughs> yeah. like let's not forget that we haven't even talked about that, but let's not forget that like, you know, Thomas Jefferson took all the miracles out of the Bible um, and believed that God was like an absentee landlord as did most of his colleagues. Right. Um, which I think is a different and fun conversation to have at a different time. But uh, yeah, I I mean, I think that you can, you can invoke the spirit of like not celebrating that America is fucking awesome, but celebrating the idea of like, we have to keep moving forward Mm -hmm. and like, we have not come close to even the most kind of glossed over ideals of, of, of the founding of the country. Uh, sure. We just took a big step backwards because of like this bullshit constitutional originalism nonsense um, mm-hmm. with affirmative action being struck down. Like, yep, that fucking sucks. And um, yeah, I, I but like I also wonder. So like Juneteenth now as a national holiday, mm-hmm. I want to keep an eye on this because obviously a lot of conservatives were like, "Both bullshit." Um, it's a woke July 4th. And I'm like, well, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe that's what we need. A woke July 4th. Let's have a fucking woke July 4th. And I worry that it's going to be, and again, I want to kind of keep track on it, but, but like, I, I wonder how, how quickly the meaninglessness and kitsch will set in there as well. Right. And, um, if it will become something that white liberals are like, this is my July 4th, uh, in a couple of years. And I kind of, think that's inevitable. Uh, uh, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It hurts my heart though. You like, know, I'm not wrong. <laughs> I know you're not wrong. That's the problem. That's um, the problem. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of like sociologically, I'm interested in seeing where that goes um, and, and how that sort of plays out in the American landscape. But yeah, yeah, I guess my short answer is like, yeah, I think there's a way that you can celebrate July 4th, you know, but like I I know what my boundaries are and like I know 
that I can't be around people who are going to be like, you must stand now for this part. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> rough. Like it. It's really rough. Um, <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? Is that the, the expectation of patriotism in some of these places and the performance of patriotism yes. that, that um, my family has to think really hard about and whether, you know, like in that kind of enforcement and have conversations uh-huh. with my kids about this, right. Mm-hmm. About like um, how, you know, do you want to stand for the pledge and not say the pledge? Cool, bro. Like that's fine. Like that's yeah. a choice. And yep. I yep. support that choice. And, yep. you know, I kind of dare someone to say something to me about your choice about this, you know? Yep. Um, but that sort of compulsory piece of that, I think is the piece that, um, we struggle with here, um, because the assumption is that patriotism is good and that everyone should partake in this and, you know, um, do this. And so I think, um, I, it's just a different struggle <laughs> because of where <laughs> I'm at. Right. Which, which I feel like is like a running theme of this podcast, which is like, <laughs> Kelly's like, <laughs> If I didn't live in the rural South in yeah. this space, like maybe it would be a different kind of conversation. But so much of it is a conversation of like, it's a different, it's a different space, right? And it's a yeah. different politic and it's a different environment. And um, the expectations are kind of, um, are just overwhelming, yeah, the decisions um, are made for way. you. Yeah, right. yes. yeah, the decisions yeah. are made for you. So yeah. it's all about like the negotiation of how you manage that in some kind of way, um, which means that I'm definitely not as cool with July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> not well, that I was before we lived no. here anyway, right? But like less so even now. Um, and And like you, I've always had this kind of, not great relationship with patriotism and because of the work that I do on white Christian nationalism, like, yeah, you're not going to get me on team nationalism. No. Anytime. No. Anytime soon. Right. And I'll go to bat on that one. Like I don't mind. For at least 10 to 20 years. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I'll go to bat. Um, So anyway, do I use that sports metaphor correctly? Like, I always feel weird when I try to use sports metaphors. Go to bat? Yeah, it's a pretty easy one. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, every once in a while, I'm going to use one wrong, and you're going to be like, what happened there? And just Uh, Yeah, no, no, no. That one's one's fine. That's an Um, easy one. Okay. Yeah. So that's why, also, speaking of going to bat, like, that's why I think my pro tip for celebrating July 4th is do what I do, which is either go see a baseball game and then, like, go to the bathroom during all the forced patriotism times. Um, yep. or go get a beer. That's what I offer. That's, that's my, that's my strategy. <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, I'm standing for the anthem. I'm just like standing in line for a beer <laughs> <laughs> or standing in line for the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, because baseball is objectively the only good thing that like <laughs> has come out of America. Um, without any, without any, uh, any downsides, except for the whole, like many years of segregation. But, uh, so there's that option or the other option is like, go, go, go see some orchestra play stars and stripes forever, which is an objectively great song. Uh, and, uh, you know, the 1812 overture, which is like actually not even about America really. So <laughs> I was like, or if you're like me, just stay home. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those are your options or stay home. Stay home. And, and, uh, watch <laughs> hamilton and eat a, oh don't encourage i feel like my kids are listening to this podcast and they're gonna be like this is the reason to watch hamilton for the 200th time yeah so um but yeah i know i mean we we tend to stay home and um cook out and enjoy yeah. the pool and just not make it the mandatory enforced patriotism that it would be if we just throw on some lee greenwood hang in the no no <laughs> No, I've done, I have done my due diligence with Lee Greenwood, my forced compulsory time with Lee Greenwood. I almost feel bad for Lee Greenwood, almost, because like, if there's anybody who's ever been like that one guy with that one song, Uh that also must perform it as a act of like patriotic duty. Yep. That guy is the guy. Because, like, people have had one-hit wonders before, but not one where they're, like, 
this is also everything about America to me. So please sing yep. the song. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know how many years of elementary school we had to sing that, but it was yeah. many. And yeah. now it's stuck in my head. So I thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you're welcome. Happy July. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go blast some Taylor Swift really, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>